This episode is brought to you today by DanaShea.com and the Boundaries for Women workshop. Be sure to register for the workshop at DanaShea.com forward slash workshops. Well, hey, everybody, this is Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. I'm so thankful that you're here with us today for episode 47. This is also the conclusion of our hope series. Now, over the past several weeks, we have been talking all about how to have hope in difficult situations. We've talked about things like depression, divorce. We've talked about life's disappointments. We've talked about abusive relationships. And today, to wrap it all up, we are going to talk about a subject that none of us likes to think about, but it is inevitable to all, and that is death. We are having a conversation with my friend and author, Deborah Juniper Fry, and Deborah has written several books. Her first book was called Grieving Under Grace. Her second book was called What About Me? I'm Sad Too. That was an activity book for children who are dealing with grief. And then she just did a collaboration with a few other authors on a book called Finding Joy in the Journey. And Deborah is a grief recovery specialist. She's got her own business called Grief Care Consulting. And I've known Deborah for about 20 years, I believe. She's been with my family through lots of deaths and very difficult times. And she is just the real deal. There was nobody else that I wanted to have as a part of this conversation than Deborah. And so here's the deal, you guys. We've been through a very traumatic year and a half with COVID. And many of you, maybe you have had people in your life who passed away. I know Sean and I certainly have several people in our lives um, who passed away this past year and a half. And not only that, but Sean just recently lost uh, a very dear friend of his, Patrick. We just had his funeral a few days ago. And so this is a really fresh topic. And regardless of whether you are maybe raw from grief right now, maybe you're dealing with the loss of someone that's close to you, or if that's going to be something that you're going to deal with in the future, this episode is going to really help you to learn not only how to grieve gracefully and how to grieve thoroughly, but how to actually grieve with hope. And Deborah and I share a a favorite scripture, and the Bible says that we do not grieve as those who do not have hope. And so regardless of what you're grieving, maybe it's not the death of someone, maybe it's the loss of a relationship, or maybe it's the loss of a dream, or um, maybe just loss of purpose. If you're in grief, you're in the right place. And I think that you're going to walk away from today's episode feeling inspired and encouraged. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation with the amazing Deborah Fry. I really thought that this was an important conversation. I've been doing a whole series on the podcast called Hope. And so we've been talking to different people. We've been talking about different issues on how to deal when life kind of throws you a curveball. Yeah. So we've had conversations with people who have been through divorce, you know, who have been through um, financial ruin, who have um, gone through just life, unexpected things happening, domestic violence, all kinds of things like that. Mm -hmm. And so when I thought about having the conversation on grief, of course, you're the first person who came to my mind. And, um, and I really want people to be able to hear from you because I think that grief is something that obviously it affects us all. Um, yes. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, or whether we're ready for it or not, you know, life happens. 
And we are mm-hmm. all going to have to experience grief, unfortunately. And it's not a topic that we like to talk about, but it's a topic that we need to talk about. So I want people to kind of hear from you, Deborah. How did you get into this whole um, world of grief? Like what made you decide, I want to be a grief specialist? Like yeah. that's not, it's not a happy, happy, joy, joy career. Right. Right? It's, it is It is a calling. Okay. It, it is a true calling don't know even don't know how I got called for it, but God equipped me to do this thing. Um, I can remember when I was a, a kid, um, looking back, a few of my friends and I, we used to, uh, there was a funeral home right across the street in our neighborhood from where we lived. We used to run through the funeral home, look at the deceased, uh, go in, and it, it was a time where. Um, you know, we're kids. We didn't know that you were supposed to be respectful and all of that. But so we, we use it as a time of, um, uh, scaring each other, but something stuck with me with that. And I kind of, uh, in hindsight, kind of grew up with, uh, the empathy and the care and the compassion, uh, that was needed to go with this, um, Ministry is what I call it. Grief, it, it is it is a called ministry. And uh, it was when working for uh, uh, my church, they decided to ask me to help out with the and oversee the bereavement department, which I knew nothing about. So it was something that I was appointed to do. And uh, without any formal training, any whole lot of classes, I started doing it. And the Lord led me to do it his way. So uh, that's how I, I was thrown into grief. Uh, of course, I've had horrific griefs. So it was through my own griefs that I had to endure and overcome and begin again that uh, I was able to start helping people through my own experiences as well. Yeah, I tell you what, you are definitely anointed for, it, oh, for that job. You. You know, you. I know that you've been around, um, my goodness, my grandfather, I think even when my father died, my best friend, Sharika, I remember when I had gone to Sharika's house and one of the first faces that I saw when I walked into her bedroom was yours. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I, I just, I, you know, when you're going through, when grief is that fresh, it's like, you're, you're not in your right mind. No, Um, you're in a fog. Yeah. You're, you're like in a fog. You're, you are feeling and fumbling your way through that, that initial shock of grief is what Mm -hmm. I call it. You, How you long just does that last? Like, does that does that last different times for different people? Like, when would you say it, it turns into being unhealthy when people are still in that fog? Well, you know, people grieve differently. People grieve on different time frames. Both of us could have a, a death, the identical, and your grief is totally different than my grief. Mm-hmm. You, the length of time that it takes for you to bring up a smile might be different from mine. Um, you may see the glasses half empty. I see the glasses half full. So it depends on your makeup. It depends on uh, having that community around you, that which is very important as well. So it, it is so many different factors to put a time frame that has been two months. You should be over this by now. Mm-hmm. Or oh, it's been two years. You should be over this by now. Everybody grieves differently, and you know there there are uh, triggers that we are we're able to see or 
things that we're able to see that will identify people are not grieving properly, uh, when you just cannot uh, stand to be around people, when you, for, for months at a time, you've just isolated yourself because grief is, is can be an isolated th- an isolating thing, but it's something that you just should not do alone. If you're not able to uh, take care of your business the way you used to take care of your business. If if you're not able to take care of your household, and it's those that are closest to you that will see those things uh, that that you're just not grieving properly. Uh, you need some assistance, so you should reach out and talk to someone, or they bring someone in to speak to you. So let me ask you a question, Deb. I was watching a show. Um, I don't I don't even remember the name of the show. But it was a guy who had been diagnosed with multiple myeloma and he didn't want to tell his family because he knew that he was going to die. And so he didn't want to tell his family. And so he was kind of trying to hide it from them. And one of the characters on the show told him, you're actually robbing your family of their ability to grieve by not telling them. What are your thoughts about that? Because to be honest with you, God forbid, you know, like knock on wood, right? Like I don't, of course, want to speak anything over myself, but I always thought if if I were faced with some sort of debilitating disease, a terminal illness, I've I've too had the thought, like, I don't know if I would tell my family because I wouldn't want my final days with them to be grief stricken and all of that. What are your thoughts about should people who know that they're sick, should they tell their family and friends to give their family and friends time to grieve? Or should the family and friends respect that person's privacy if they don't want to disclose that information? My thought about that is that, yes, you should. We, we have to understand that, that great love equals great grief. Mm-hmm. There is no way around it. Great love is great grief. And there are some tender moments when that person that is terminally ill, there are some tender moments that you may regret you missing or you allowing your family to miss with you by not telling them. So as hard and devastating as it is, people are resilient. What we thought we couldn't go through uh, 16 months ago with this pandemic going on, look at us now. We still are going because we are able to adapt. So don't take those things away from your loved ones because they need that. They That is part of their processing of their grief. That's part of them showering you with love or helping you get in your business together so that it is not an initial shock. You know, it, it could be something that they can resent you for when you're long gone. And that could trigger another whole problem on top of them grieving, you know, because the thought comes in, why wouldn't they tell me, why didn't they give me the opportunity to share those most special moments when you were the weakest or when you just could not do it? Yeah, see? I'm inclined to agree with that too. I think that well, you use the word shock and I think that's the best word. Like it, grief always catches us off guard. Like I remember when Sharika was sick and when she died, people literally asked me, like I remember, and I know that it was in, you know, no sure. ill intentions. But someone said, like, why were you so surprised? Like, you knew that she was dying. And I'm like, first of all, like, what in the world kind of thing? So we need to talk about what not to say to people. (laughs) That's one of those things. Yeah. That's one of those things. But, well, because the the short answer is because you were praying for a miracle. That's right. You still believe in God 
until the last breath you were believing God. And is that kind of uh, negative energy that, that caused Jesus to put people out of the room (laughs) at a certain point when he was going in to do miracles. But yes, that's one of those things that people don't mean anything by it, but they don't know what else to say. So they try to say something as part of a way to console you, but, but it triggered you. It did to almost, to almost give them a side eye. Oh it, yeah, or a side fist and, and a tongue and a tongue lash. <laughs> but so so let's talk about then. Like, what is the right thing to say? Usually, if you don't know what to say, first of all, don't say nothing. There you go. Just hush it up. Be quiet. Hold their hand. Rub their shoulder. Uh, just be in the room. A lot of times, people say, uh, for instance, if you lose a pet, which brings great grief to people. Mm-hmm. You can always go get another dog. Mm-hmm. You can name the dog the same name. So that is very insensitive because pets are family members when, when you are a pet lover. I mean, if you get a pet, bring them in your home, take care of them, give them your last name, guess what? You love that pet. Right. You love them. So there are things to say and things not to say. Um, and believe it or not, Google is our best friend. You can Google what not to say during grief and it'll give you a whole list. That is so good. You know, okay. I've heard things like, you know, God needed another angel and a God there the and flower. A Listen, one time there was a, there was a poem out there that says God needs, needed another flower. I went to help a, a church member, uh, funeralize her husband. And she looked at me and told me, you better not say nothing about no God picking a flower. Right. She, she laid me out. But I understood what she was talking about. Right. Okay. Don't say God picked my husband and made him a flower. That's right. So, you know, uh, and to, to this day, we laugh about that because she didn't mean any harm. Um, and it was a little shock, but I didn't get offended by it because people deal in grief different ways, you know? So, um, so yeah, there are those things that uh, people just don't like, um, the idea of. Yeah. I think the gift of presence, like I'm learning that. I think, you know, especially when you're a talker and you're like words matter and you know, I got to say the right thing, say the right thing, but really, it's just the gift of presence. It's just being there. Like you Mm -hmm. said, holding the hand, the rub on the shoulder, the not saying anything. Right. Like we think even in the Bible, you know, in the book of Job, when Job's friends came and Job's friends get so much grief, but yes. I like to give them, give these people credit that they sat silently for seven whole days. Yeah. Like, yeah. And sit silently for seven days and not yeah. say a word. And not say a word and just was a help, you know? Uh, but the, you know, the thing about the presence being present, um, and, and when, as people are grieving, we have to remember that, once the funeral is over or once the initial shock of the grief is done, we have to always remember to be intentional, to come back to show our presence. Because at that point, that person is alone in the grief. So we still have to stay present, even though um, the, the, the grief, the initial grief has passed. We still need to send cards. We still need to make phone calls. We still need to do drive-bys. We still need to um, do things to let them know that we are still here with you. We're still here. So um, it's good to be present after everyone has gone home and things have quieted down. 
because that's when the silence starts talking the loudest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely understand that. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the stages of grief. I know, um, you know, I've, I've read different books. I know even again, I keep referencing when Sharika died, because I feel like I learned so much about grief through that situation. Yes. But, you know, after she passed away, um, somebody, it may have been you, I don't remember, somebody recommended that I read this book by um, Granger, it's his last name, called Good Grief. Good and Grief. Little, you know, little, Cute little nugget book, yeah. Yeah. But it, it helped me because it helped me to make sense of the different stages of grief, like the mm-hmm. anger, the blame thing. I thought like, I'm a horrible person to even be yeah. thinking, well, if she just would have done, you know what I mean? Or if yeah. the doctors just would have. And so to learn that blame is actually a part of grief. Sorrow, obviously yeah. we know about that. Mm-hmm. Give us maybe a, a snapshot on what are some other stages of grief? Bargaining, you know, God, if you do this, I'll do that. You know, if you help her with this, Lord, I, I, I'll do this. I'll just, so that bargaining piece, depression, of course, will set in on you. Acceptance, accepting that this is God's will and this is how it is, even with all of the prayers and the layering of, of hope and praying for healing for whatever reason, whatever the why is, it is just going to be left unanswered. Denial, I, I just, I cannot believe. We, we get to a point, of course, we reverence the Lord, we love God. But of course, all of us have said, really, God? Really? And when there's no answer to the why, uh, I go to Deuteronomy 29, 29. And I'm just paraphrasing where God says that he, there are secrets that you just will never know, but yet you are to do what you know to do, what I've given you instruction to do. Do that. He doesn't have to give us those whys. He doesn't have to answer our questions, but yet he is still God, full of compassion. And he, he soothes our broken heart. And- yeah, that's a, that, that acceptance part. I think it's so difficult because as humans, like we want answers, mm-hmm. even though we know, I think most of us know in our heads, like there's no logical answer for why right. I was talking with my daughter, Kayla, just a little while ago. And she was saying, I don't understand, like, what's the purpose of stillborn babies? Or what's the purpose of a child dying at two years old? Sure. You know? And there sure. is no answer to that. And I think yeah. that that's something that it, you know, if someone's 85, 95 years old and they pass away, obviously their family is still going to grieve their loss. That's right. Losing a child or, you know, someone who's at the prime of their life, we can't make sense of those things. And I think that that exacerbates our grief even more because it, it doesn't make logical sense. And there's just no answer. Those are when you just don't, you have no words to, to put sentences together to even give the comfort uh, to that broken hearted person. Ladies, I have just the workshop for you. You guys, so many of you have struggled with making boundaries. Some of you right now know that you need to create boundaries in your life, but you don't know how. Many of you might wonder, am I selfish? Do I really have the right to tell this person no? Maybe it's an employer, maybe it's a spouse. Listen, 
I am doing a boundaries workshop on Friday, July 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m. This is one workshop you are not going to want to miss. Your relationship cannot afford for you to miss this workshop. We are going to come together as a group of women. We are going to talk about what it means to create boundaries, what it means to say no without feeling guilty, how to have confidence in actually asserting yourself and doing it in a way that you won't come across as mm, itchy with a B. Okay. And so ladies, you are going to want to come on Friday, July 23rd. 3rd, 7 to 9 p.m. Be sure to register today at danashay.com forward slash workshops. Can't wait to see you there. Now let's get back to our show. There's a scripture that I love in um, 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm sure you're familiar with this, but I just want to read it. This is out of um, the um, CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. It says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters concerning those who are asleep so yeah. that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. And mm-hmm. that's where the whole title of this podcast episode, this I keep that, stri- that scripture before me all the, I don't know if you can see it, oh, but I, I keep see it before me yes. all the time. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, so you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's a way to grieve with hope. And then there's a way to grieve without hope. I remember yeah. we, we had gone to this one funeral and I never want to like, I want to be sensitive and I never want to tell people like how they should grieve and how they should not. But person it was a, and it, they weren't even that close to the deceased but they were screaming like screaming hollering and it was like all the attention was being drawn to that person uh-huh. and I just that scripture flashed in my mind like we don't grieve without hope sure you know yeah so can you give us some practical steps on how can we grieve with hope what does that look like practically well you know I love breaking words down with acronyms So hope is the H is help yourself. And that, that may sound crazy. What help myself? I'm the one grieving. Yes, you are. That's why you have to help yourself. You have to be intentional. You are the first person that know what you need. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that to be insensitive. I'm saying that, that to, to let people know that we are even in control of how we grieve. We're, we're in control of that. Although we can be inconsolable, once we know that we need some help, we are in control of the help that we need. So H, the H is for help yourself. Uh, read, Google what to do. There are so many things out there that you can do in your private time, even if you just need that time to just pull away for a little bit. Uh, that is healthy grief. Mm-hmm. So help yourself. You are the first move of your hope. You are the first move. The O, open yourself up to grow. Open yourself up to grow. Do something positive. Do something different. Do something fulfilling. A lot of people get stuck in opening themselves up to do something different because they're so used to doing what they were doing in the grief that they're in. So so here again, I don't want to seem insensitive because grief is a monster. It can be a beast. It can be uh, very like shackles on your feet. It can be very hard. It is hard. Not it can be. It is very hard. So I'm not being insensitive, uh, but I want people to see the glasses half full instead of half empty. There is a lot of good grace in grief, even with us being in the midst of the chaos. Uh, So 
I teach grief in a different way. I try to teach it in a more simplistic way so that we can understand it little by little instead of the big old grief word all at one time. Uh, so let's open yourself up to, to uh, do something different and pour into yourself, open yourself up to become a vessel so that something good can get up in there and break that grief up, break it up. P is to uh, pursue a greater purpose, to find some good in whatever grief you're going in, whatever grief you're going through. Practice some self-care, some self-help tools. I am one of the best ones to give it to you, but if you you don't want to sit with a person, you can always Google some things, but it's just being with somebody else to help you walk over the bridge of grief. So uh, pursue a greater purpose. Practice self care, some coping skills, do some daily affirmations. It, sometimes it, you just don't think of the simple positive things to do in that in that dark alley that you're in, contemplating that grief and going through the grief. So it's very hard. The E, expect something good. Something good is going to come out of grief. And that sound that too sounds crazy, but you are a, a testament of something good coming out of grief. One of your best friends came out of grief. Did she not? Absolutely. So we are all testaments of good coming out of grief. Of course, it doesn't come and knock us over the head, but it's something that eventually you're going to find, whether it is a good thought about the person that passed, whether it's a good thought or uh, something good that came to you in the loss of that job that, that, went away and you don't know why something good is going to come down the pike. If you are expecting something good, if you are contemplating something good, it's just going to happen. That is just the way things are wired in life. So expect something good, speak good things and be good, you know, be, be a good person, uh, be a good friend, be a good wife. Try to be the best that you can be because we get so many new opportunities mm-hmm. to do it all over again on, on every day. Every day we get new opportunities to hope and to pray and to trust and to just do this thing called life over again. Uh, and we'll never get it right. So you might as well just continue to practice it and and um, see what you can get out of it. Let and me ask you, what, are, what, are, what is your opinion about people who, like, I know I'm a very sentimental person and I keep all letters, I keep cards, I keep, I keep, I'm so like, I love to keep stuff like that. And so right. do you think it's healthy for someone, if if they lose someone close to them, to go through like constantly be going through letters or constantly going through pictures to kind of keep that person's memory alive. Do you think that that's a way to um, process grief um, in a, in a positive way? Or do you think that that can stagnate the grief process? Well, it depends on the letters that you're reading. If it's hate mail, throw it away. (laughs) If it's love, no. So it depends. It depends on what you're reading. All, all letters are not good letters. Mm -hmm. All letters are not um, good for your soul. When I was going through um, the, the Grief Recovery Institute, they teach us if you have a bad relationship, write a letter to that person. You don't have to give it to them. You know, throw it away if you want to. After it's all done, 
but put your heart out there on the paper as part of your healing process and then discard it because you're saying I'm done with this and I'm moving on here again. That's not a one and a done, not, not a one and done. So you may have to do that over and over, but you are initiating the process of getting through this grief, no matter how many times you have to do it, just do it. The quicker you do it, the quicker it's done. What about like getting rid of all like memorabilia? You know, you'll have like some people that they, they might have a spouse who passed away and they won't get rid of their clothes. Or you see like parents who, if God forbid they have a child that passes away, they won't let anybody touch their room and the room kind of becomes like a shrine. Um, is that healthy? Does, or do you recommend people save those types of things or is it healthier to kind of let those things go? It is healthy to let those things go and it is healthy to keep some things and that there is according to your time. I mean, I I, I have a good friend uh, uh, who lost his wife. She's probably uh, been gone now for about maybe seven years and he has just taken her clothes out of the closet. He's just blessing somebody with her clothing because he could not, he could not part with them. So, and then there are some people, they want it out this week. It got to go this week because I don't, it helps them to get rid of it and get that process over. Mm -hmm. Some people may want you to come to the home and just help me go through these things, you know, help me decide what to keep and what not to keep. My dear father-in-law adored my mother-in-law, adored her. She's been gone now since uh, 2000, and uh, he still has her bottle of perfume, Javon Muscor oil, on the dresser. That is his keepsake of her. When I go over there now, the bottle is still there, and I pick the bottle up. The perfume is brown as I don't know what, but I still squirt some just to smell to see what it smells like. So. It, it, it just depends. That gives me such peace that uh, just to have that smell in the house. And it, it's, it's still, it smells like mom. Of course, uh, if, if the family members want to try to get them some help 10 years down the pike, uh, it's like the movies that we see on TV where the room is a shrine. Nobody can go in. The room is um, closed off. So th- there are some unhealthy tendencies there. But that is the extreme. I want to ask you one more question about grieving death. And then I want to kind of segue a little bit, thinking about how healthy crying is. And I think that especially for our fellas, a lot of times men have not been given the same, I guess society hasn't given them the same liberty to be able to just freely cry. Sure. And what, how, how important is crying? Like I think of like crying as being like a release. And when yes. you're not able to fully release that grief, doesn't yeah. it just stay bottled up inside of you? Like, don't you need to get that out? Yes, right. Exactly. And, you know, I, I want to go a step further. It's not that society hasn't. Uh, our families will do that. Boy, you better not cry. You you better suck it up. You Don't be a punk. Don't do it. And that they grow up with that, that toughness, mm-hmm. you know. So, yes, men do not grieve the same as women. And yes, they, they will bottle it up, but trust me, they are going to cry whether they do it without anyone ever knowing they will release those tears. The the most tender thing you can see is a, is a man showing his emotion that way. 
I'll never forget going to a funeral and uh, the pastor called the men up to the, the casket. And just to see the breaking of the men holding one another and crying, it, it is something to see. Mm-hmm. That, that I call good grief. Mm-hmm. That, that's the good in that grief yeah. at that moment. I know that you wrote a book for children, you know, children who were grieving called What About Me? What About Me? I'm grieving too, right? I'm sad too. I'm sad too. Yeah. I want to know how is the, what is the best way to help children? Because I know that just like, you know, adults, all children are not the same. They all grieve differently. Should parents encourage their children to talk about it? Should parents kind of let the children lead the way as far as when the child feels like they're ready to talk about whatever loss they incur? Like, what can someone do to actually help children to be able to process their grief properly? The most important thing, I believe, is to not hide your feelings or emotions. A lot of times we try to suck it up and not cry because we don't want to upset the children. We, I, I hear that so often. Put yeah. the children in the room. Let them go play while we're out here crying and snotting and doing all of that. But the best thing to do is to show them healthy emotion, is to show them that it's okay to cry. It's okay to, to grieve because it is, it is the way that we teach them that they are going to grow up imitating us. So it's, it is a good idea to be the leader in emotional health for our children. That's that's really good. I mean, I've never thought about that because I'm, I'm, I have that tendency when I'm sad about something, I don't want my kids to see, you know, know, because you want to put on like the, not the tough face, but like the bright face. You don't want to make your children sad. And so you're right, Deborah. I have never thought about that before that if we don't model what healthy grief looks like, and it doesn't have to be a a death. It could just be mom's sad because yeah. she lost her job or mom's sad yeah. because someone hurt her feelings. Like yeah. if we're not modeling that healthy grief for our kids, then how will they learn how to grieve? That's exactly right. So uh, I created that activity book so that they, uh, because I believe our tender hearts need to learn those emotions and be, be able to express themselves and share themselves. And in the book, they're able to create some keepsake pieces that uh, that 10 year old, when they're working in the grief activity book, when they turn 30 years old, they're able to, uh, it's a keepsake piece at that moment, right? So they're able to pass the book down. So then their 10 year old is able to see what daddy thought about uh, grieving over this over here. So in the book, it's not just about the death of a loved one. It's talking about how you how you're sad when you when you have to move how you're sad when you are being um being made fun of or how you're sad when you're not able to do your schoolwork so there are so many different things other than death that our children are facing mm-hmm. now you know being sad not being able to play with your friends in in the classroom having to wear a mask when you were so free to talk and play so there are so many different things that our children are resilient in, and we need to give them credit for being that way. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast, Rick Warren, um, pastor of Saddleback Church was on this podcast, and he was talking about how in his, you know, his view, he said he believes that 2022 is going to be a year of massive grief. And I was like, oh God, you know what I mean? Like, why Why would you want to prophesy something like that, right? Yeah. I think what he meant is that 
we've been through a lot like with COVID. And I think that so many of us underestimate people have lost jobs. People Mm -hmm. have lost friendships. People literally lost loved ones. Mm -hmm. People have lost opportunities. People have lost, whole industries have gone down the tube Um, and there's been so much loss. And I feel like obviously we were all taken by surprise. Nobody prepared for this. Mm -hmm. And there, I think what Rick Warren was saying is that because we haven't fully grieved these things up until now, 2021 yet. So Mm -hmm. this next year is going to produce this massive grief. And so what I realization, the the realization of, of what, we are really doing and what we have to do now. And we're not able to go back over that same bridge to our happy, lucky selves. We have to evolve to, to, we're going to be, and I have, I made a t-shirt that says, uh, during this pandemic, you're going to end up bitter or better. Mm-hmm. There's no in between, no in betwixt. As my grandma used to say, no in betwixt. Yeah, yeah. You're going to end up bitter or better. So and so how can people grieve, you know, obviously we've been talking about grieving death, but grieving those things that nobody else would think that you should grieve, grieving a loss um, of a job or grieving an opportunity, you know, all these people who had speaking careers, sure. done, you know, yeah. at least now they're kind of starting to pick back up again, but right. what's a healthy way to grieve some things that are not death related? Yeah. Folks have were sideswiped. So you, you didn't have a lot of time to fall back on anything, but there is still space to recreate yourself. There is still space to do something different. And it's, and it's not all easy. It's not all easy, but uh, how bad is you want to, you, you just, you just gotta, you have to do it. You know, there are people that are frantic about having to go back to work. We've been home for over a year and Having to go back and work one day, it it just brings anxiety and stress and and all sorts of things on people. What I teach them is, thank God you have a job. That's the the good and the grief. You still have a job where um, this person was laid off or this person was downgraded to five hours a week. So you got to look at the glasses half full instead of half empty and you got to work from that. Mm-hmm. You got to work. What about them. the person though that did lose their job? Like, what about the person who who did lose, um, like I said, the opportunities or what have you? Like, how can they? They might not feel like this is cry worthy. You know, like I shouldn't be crying over this. So, yeah. what are some other healthy outlets for grief for people who have lost things other than yeah. a death? Yeah. Well, I would hope that they would just journal. Uh, a good way for people to to help themselves is to journal, put their heart on the paper. Find outlets, like you said, to do other things. Get involved in, since you're not working, get involved in volunteer opportunities, which can create an open door for you. Get out and and still help in the field that you may have lost your job in because that can create an opportunity. So there's just no easy way other than to do something. Do something uh, because the grief will want you to just lay in the bed, keep your head covered, don't come out the house. Don't reach out for help. Uh, And that is why it's very, very important to have a community around you, Uh, a community of friends, a community of family, a community of uh, church members, uh, a community of old associates. It is just always good to have somebody. And it doesn't have to be a big number. It could be one, two people. One person can pull you up out of a hole. 
if they're strong enough. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have a whole gang of people to do what, what you need to do, but stay connected, yeah. stay connected to something, somebody, somewhere, stay connected. And I promise you, I pro- it's, it's going to get better. It will get better. I oh. love that. I think oh. that's such a great place to end. So good. Well, thank you so much, Deb. If people want to find out more about you and your services, where can they find you? They can find me um, at uh, Grief Care Consulting. Uh, I am on Instagram as Grief Care Consulting. Of course, Facebook, Deborah Fry, Twitter, Grief C Consult. And we could probably put all of those somewhere. So in the next 30 days, I'm going to be launching uh, my website. So you'll be able to go to www.griefcareconsulting.com. So it is coming. Yes, it's coming. So, but yeah, and uh, DM me. And if you have any questions, uh, of course, if you want books, you can DM me and I can get you a personalized copy. Mm -hmm. Um, I do drive-bys if you're local. And of course, amazon.com, if you would like for them to just get mailed to you. Awesome. Well, I will put the links to all of that in the show notes of this. And um, thank you so very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You are a joy. Thank you, Deborah. A joy for the community. You are such a blessing. You you are going to be reaching the masses. You are. You are on your way. Thank you. Thanks, sis. I appreciate it. What a great conversation, right? And I know that again, for some of you, it's this is this is new information. Maybe you've gone through grief and you're like, I had no idea that there were different stages of grief that I skipped. Or maybe you're not dealing with grief right now for whatever reason. And I really hope that this episode compels you to grieve and to grieve honestly and openly. That's one of the things as a pastor, I get to sit with lots of people who are experiencing grief. And one of the things I always say is you have to grieve honestly. If you feel like screaming, scream. If you feel like, um, you know, being by yourself, be by yourself. Like we're all different. You grieve the way that you feel like you need to, but we don't grieve without hope. There's always hope. There's always light Remember that there's always light. You might be going through the darkest situation in your life right now. Just hold on, friend. There is light coming. I know that it sounds so cliche, but there really is light at the end of your dark tunnel. So thank you so much for joining us today. I really do pray and hope that I see if you're a woman, if that I see you on the Boundaries for Women workshop. It's going to be so great. Um, I love spending time in group coaching sessions. And so we're going to have a blast. Again, that's coming up on July 23rd. So be sure to head on over to danashay.com forward slash workshops to register for that. And if you would like to get in touch with Deborah, I'm going to have her contact information linked in the show notes of this podcast. So just head on over to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 47, and you'll be able to find all of Deborah's contact information there. If you need help, reach out. There's no reason for you to grieve on your own and by yourself. So thank you so much for listening today. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. 
listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.